From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Friday the 13th of January 2023. Good afternoon. In today's Spotlight story, we run through the fighting in Ukraine. This isn't the only thing happening in the world though, so we'll run through three of today's other important stories. And in our exclusive Nebula section, we explain whether Latin America's pink tide has hit its high watermark. But first, what's been happening in Solidar? Over the last few days, fighting on the front lines in Ukraine has been concentrated around Solidar, a small town about 10 kilometers north of Bakhmut, with a pre-war population of about 10,000 people. For the last few months or so, Russian forces have been trying and failing to take Bakhmut, a larger town with a pre-war population of about 70,000, and one of the last few remaining Ukrainian holdouts in Donbass, along with Slavyansk and Kramatorsk. Casualties in Bakhmut are so high and occurring at such a high rate that the town has earned the crude nickname the Meat Grinder. Having apparently realised that they weren't going to take the town via a frontal assault, earlier this week the Russians redirected their attention to Solodar. If the Russians can capture Solodar, this would cut the Ukrainians in Bakhmut off from supplies coming from the north and allow the Russians to attack Bakhmut from two directions simultaneously. Originally, the Russians made good progress. The offensive was led by the Wagner Group, a shady Russian mercenary outfit led by Evgeny Prigozhin, which hit the headlines last year when it turned out they were hiring convicts on the premise that, if they survived in Ukraine, they wouldn't have to return to prison. On Tuesday, several Russian military bloggers claimed that Russia had captured Solodar, but footage from the town suggested that fighting was ongoing, and Prigozhin himself admitted that his Wagner group was still facing resistance from the Ukrainians. However, over the next few days, the Russians made slow attritional progress, and geolocated videos suggested they've now reached the westernmost point of Solodar. While the Russian Ministry of Defence are yet to confirm the capture of Solodar, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov congratulated Russian forces for successful offensive operations in the settlement, and Prigozhin posted an audio message on Telegram claiming that Wagner Group troops had captured the town. Now, it's important not to overstate the strategic value of the town. It's a tiny settlement. And while it might put more pressure on Ukrainian forces in Bakhmut, at the current rate of advance, Russian forces are unlikely to take the remaining towns in Donbass anytime soon. Nonetheless, this will make things harder for Ukrainian troops in Bakhmut, and Ukrainian high command will now have to decide whether to hold out or retreat to the larger and better fortified towns of Slovyansk and Kramatorsk. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. Moving to America, where the political scandal involving President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents rumbles on. Yesterday, it was revealed that a second set of classified documents from Biden's time as vice president has been discovered in the garage of his private home in Delaware. That seemed to force US Attorney General Merrick Garland's hand, with him announcing that, under the special counsel regulation, it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel, i.e. independent lawyer, to investigate the matter. That special counsel being Robert Herr, an American attorney who previously served as the US Attorney for the District of Maryland. 
The move all but replicates the action taken by Garland over Trump's Mar-a-Lago documents debacle, where Garland also appointed a special counsel in the form of Jack Smith, a former chief prosecutor at The Hague. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine, or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. The United Arab Emirates has appointed the head of its state-owned oil company as president of the COP28 climate summit, which is being hosted in Dubai at the end of the year. The appointment of Sultan Ahmed al-Jabbar has drawn fire from environmental campaigners who say it is a conflict of interest. Global Witness's campaign leader said, you wouldn't invite arms dealers to lead peace talks, so why let oil executives lead climate talks? In a statement, the UAE government said Jabbar, who also serves as the special envoy for climate change, has green credentials, including playing a key role in shaping the country's green energy path. He was also the founding CEO of Mazda, the country's renewable energy company. Nevertheless, ActionAid's climate justice lead said, like last year's summit in Egypt, we're increasingly seeing fossil fuel interests taking control of the process and shaping it to meet their own needs. It's been reported today that Europe's largest rare earth metal deposit has been discovered in Sweden. As things stand, no rare earth metals are mined in Europe. So if Sweden were to start mining the site, it would hugely reduce the EU's dependence on China. The term rare earth metal refers to 17 elements that are used in production of things like electronic products. Demand for these elements is increasing and is expected to have increased fivefold by 2030. In total, 98% of rare earth metals used in the EU in 2021 were imported from China. There are reportedly about 1 million tonnes of rare earth metals in this deposit. While this seems like a lot, it's actually only a fraction of the world's 120 million tonne reserve. Additionally, it's been suggested that the newly discovered metals will not reach markets for between 10 and 15 years. Finally, in some uplifting news, Uganda has declared itself Ebola-free after a nearly four-month outbreak of the disease. The declaration follows 42 days with no active cases in the country, enough time for two full incubation periods of the Ebola virus. Despite initially struggling to contain the virus, Uganda managed to quickly bring it under control. The WHO Director-General praised the country, saying Uganda has shown that Ebola can be defeated when the whole system works together, from having an alert system in place to finding and caring for people affected and their contacts, to gaining the full participation of affected communities in the response. That's all we have time for on YouTube today, but if you want to see our discussion of Latin America's left-wing Pink Tide, then watch the extended ad-free edition of The Daily Briefing over on Nebula. Now might be the time to do it, as there's an offer which gets you a year of membership for less than $1 a month. That's huge because Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. They also get access to a ton of other exclusive ad-free TLDR content, as well as videos from all your favourite creators. The good news is, like I mentioned, our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers you some of the world's best documentaries, is offering an incredible deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $12 a year. 
That's all the documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream, and then more TLDR content on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than a dollar a month, a deal which doesn't last long, and support the channel.